0: Hey, 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 it's me, the Kentucky guy. And thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Red Pill Current News Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking all about the one president who I think is the worst president. And trust me, Joe Biden's getting right up there with them. But this was probably the worst president that we've ever had, the most evil president. And we're going to talk about him because he fits into our narrative that we've been talking about here with the lbj and all these other corrupt companies and families out there and that president is none other than woodrow wilson so let's get to it once again thank you so much for listening to this episode of the red pill current news podcast with your host the nookie guy thank you thank you Aha! Here we are! Ha ha ha! (laughs) All right, and welcome to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I am your truth finder, the truth seeker, your truth savior, the Kentucky guy. Hey, help everybody's having a fantastic day today. I know that it is a little bit chilly out here in the beautiful state of Kentucky, but I tell you, we really can't complain. We haven't had much of a winter, and the last couple days have been absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. But uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, once again, I'm the host, the Kentucky Guy, and we want to thank you for listening in, and you can always hit that follow or subscribe button, no matter which platform you're listening to us on. We are on all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, Pandora, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon music and the list goes on. Also for you sports fans and wrestling fans out there, I do co-host against the Mott wrestling podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, with my co-host, Donnie Cage, we talk about pro wrestling past, present, and future. Be sure to check us out. This is WrestleMania week. So we do have a new episode coming out tonight with our WrestleMania predictions. A lot of cool stuff that always happens on WrestleMania week. So tune in and check us out. If you'd ever like to be a guest on this show, I you can always email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Or if you have any questions for me or like a shout out, then that's olkentucky spelled out. 99, olkentucky Kentucky, 99 at yahoo.com. Also in the links below are... Links to our merch, as well as all our social media posts, all kinds of good stuff in there as well. Some free stuff. So check it out, check it out, check it out. And let's see here. So today is going to be one of our normal, our normal episodes. Uh, we haven't, uh, we haven't, we didn't do, we didn't get to do a normal one on Saturday due to, uh, I was under the weather, kind of behind on everything and, uh, just needed to, uh. Kind of ramp things up and get through things kind of quickly, but we've been doing this special, special reporting here lately on the Vanguard Group, BlackRock, and kind of how long, you know. And I say this all the time because I want you guys to understand why we're doing how why we're doing this, uh, going so far back. And the reason why is because you have to go back in order to see forward. And I really believe that's a true statement. And what I mean by that is we want to, you know, a lot of people think that the stuff that they're finding, that they're finally waking up to and they're figuring out is new or, and it was just brought to light back in 2016 when Trump first ran for president and folks know I'm showing you, I'm trying to show you this corruption. Always do your own research. Always, always, always don't take mine or anybody else's word for it. But listen, this stuff has been going on for years, decades. It is, it is, it is horrible. And it's a shame that our country has treated us and kept us in the dark as long as they have. So who I'm going to talk about today, I, I want to go over who I think is the most corrupt president the worst president we've ever had and i know a lot of people have always put that claim on jimmy carter and some put it on biden trust me biden's right there if biden wasn't such an idiot he would probably and we know that he doesn't even make his own decisions he's he's just a puppet for communist china and barack obama's third term or what have you so if it wasn't for that Biden would be right there with him because he would really have this country on its knees faster than what he already is putting us on our our knees. Anyways, I want to talk about Thomas Woodrow Wilson today. Uh, He was the president of the United States. He actually served two terms. He was a Democratic president. And, uh, yeah, so let's get into it. And let me show you kind of what. I'm talking about when it comes to this horrible, horrible human being. All right. So Woodrow Wilson was an American statesman, and academic who served as the 28th president of the United States from 1913 to 1921. A member of the Democratic Party. He served as the president of Princeton University. From 1902 to 1910, and then ran and was elected as a progressive Democrat to the officer of Governor of New Jersey. Wilson's victory in 1912 presidential election made him the first Southern elected to the presidency since Zachary Taylor in 1848 in 1848. Well, that was a long time. He also held the United States, led the United States during World War I, establishing an activist foreign policy known as the Wilsonism. He was a major leader at Par- at the paris Versailles Peace Conference in 1919, where he championed the proposed League of Nations. However, he was unable to obtain Senate approval for the U.S. membership. After suffering a debilitating stroke in September of 1919, his wife and his staff handled most of his presidential duties. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that, but here's the thing. He didn't get Senate approval because of his own tyranny dictatorship, like, (laughs) like, uh, like the way he ran the country. Okay, and one other thing: Wilson being elected president the first time around was a total fluke. Okay, I want you guys to understand this. They say that he's the first Southerner, and that's true. Okay, but it was a total fluke. They don't tell you the whole story. And unless you do a little bit digging, you're not going to know it. Okay. Theodore Roosevelt was very unhappy with the current Republican president, the incumbent that was in office. So Theodore Roosevelt started a, an entirely new party. You had the Democrat party, Republican party, and then he started another party and ran his candidate on that ticket. Now, instead of winning the presidency, This backfired horribly by splitting the Republican votes and therefore you split the Republican votes. You only have one Democratic nominee, Wilson. It gave him the win quite handily, easily. So that's why when people say, oh, it was shocking when he won that. Not really. Not really. Uh, It's because they split the vote on him. That's how come when people were talking uh, President Trump before what ticket he was going to run on and talking about the Patriot Party and and this and that. And and I knew I knew that was never going to happen because Trump's too smart for that. He knows that if he would have brought a independent party and a third party into play like Ted Cruz and these guys did on the Tea Party, that it would just split the GOP vote and you'd never have a chance. You'd. The Democrats would be here on out, uh, you know, in office. Look, here's the thing, folks. No matter if you're a Republican, conservative, Democrat, it doesn't matter to me. We're never going to agree, even if you're in the same party, on every single thing. It's just not going to happen. We're going to have different opinions because we're human. And we have, guess what? Free will and that God-given right to have our own belief and our own opinion. So. If we have different opinions on different policies, then why then if you start another, if you start another party, then people in your party may go there and they may not. People, you know, and I hate to say this, but people get what I call butt hurt over if you look at them the wrong way now. And it's a shame. You know, you can't crack jokes or anything anymore. Uh, you know, and and there's so much regret right now. Like my grandpa, my great grandpa, he is so upset with Joe Biden, the way he's doing things because I mean, he voted for him three times in this last election alone in 20 in 2020 election. Yeah. My great grandfather, he voted for Joe Biden three times and look what Joe's doing to him. By the way, he's been dead for 20 years. (laughs) come on it wasn't that funny anyways his first major priority was the revenue act and this is Wilson again of 1913 by the way I want to give a special shout out to John for sending most of this information in Uh, you guys have heard me talk about John before he's part of the team very very uh, very very helpful Uh, he had some health issues and he is back on track and uh, man really really appreciate Having him back in the saddle this week. Uh, so, the, so his first priority was the Revenue Act of 1913, which lowered tariffs and began to modern income tax. Wilson also negotiated the passage of the Federal Reserve Act, which created the Federal Reserve System. Who owns the Federal Reserve? Banks. Who owns it? Not the government. No, no, no. J.P. Morgan. The Rothschilds. remember, government doesn't own it. If you think the government owns your Federal Reserve, better go do some research. They never have. It's always been an independent company. So Wilson, in, in all honesty, he was the closest thing to a dictator the U.S. so far has ever had in office. He was more ruthless than LBJ, who was notorious for his ruthlessness. Wilson was a brilliant man, the only Ph.D. to hold the presidency. He was also an unpo- uh, and this is very important. Now, remember, he was president from 1913 to 1921, right? He was an unapologetic racist. Oh, man, this guy was all about the KKK. He horrible. He tried very hard to keep the U.S. out of World War I. But when the war was an inevitable, he vowed to give America a war they'll never forget. He should get credit for uh, converting the U.S. to a total war footing in a very, very rapid fashion. Yeah, he did, but it cost us a lot. Uh, he was committed to victory as fast as possible and damn the cost. Yep. Uh, he stripped the rights from the people who questioned or criticized him. Ooh, who's that sound like? Does that sound familiar right now? Does it sound like we're living through something like that right now? Let me read that again. He stripped the rights of people who questioned or criticized him. He was not above manipulating the press and, who's this guy sound like? And outright lying to get his way. Yeah. Joe Biden, State of Union lies. Come on. Joe Biden will get on television right now, look you in the eye and tell you that the sky is green right now and keep a straight face doing it because he's so stupid. He probably believes it himself. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. A friend wrote that down. I don't know. Whoa. whoa, whoa. All right. So his ally, Arthur Ballard, defended his lies by saying, quote, there is nothing in our experience. That tells us the truth is always preferable to a lie. There are lifeless truths and valiant lies. The value lies in their ability to inspire. Crazy, man. Crazy. What's a lie? You know, you tell a lie. This is everyday life, folks. Let's just talk everyday life. You tell a lie. And it could be in your head. You could think it's a small lie, right? Just going to tell this one little bit of lie. Okay, you tell that lie. but. Then, then you get even a little question about it. Oh, yeah, then we have to tell another lie, kind of go along with that one to kind of help cover that one up. And then someone else hears about it, and you get a question again. It just keeps growing and growing. And now you have this massive story that's completely fictional that people are asking about. And guess what? If you're not smart enough, you're going to stumble, and you're going to tell that story a different way or with a different ending then the first time, and guess what? Oh, you're busted. And now you just look like a big old piece of crap liar. See what I mean? Just tell the truth. It's so much easier, even when I wasn't a very good human. And there was a time, I've talked about it before on this show, There's time where I wasn't a very good person. I really wasn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would always try to be a good son and and, and what have you. But. The way I lived my life, it was not pleasing to God. I I was not a good person at all. Now, even back then, I still never really felt comfortable lying. And my thing was, here. my rationale was, and I would tell everybody this, like, why lie? It's just going to come out sooner or later. Because I was no good at it, to be honest. (laughs) I just wasn't any good at it. So, you know, why do it? Because it's just going to come out anyways. So let's be honest up front, take the whipping, you know, the beating or what have you, the humiliation, eat it and move on. And now, of course, you know, my life's completely different and uh, I I wouldn't lie for nothing now. But but anyways, there's just no there's no reason for it. No reason for it. Wilson was against the treaty of for sales, realizing it would lead to World War II, but he either had a stroke. Or succumbent to the Spanish flu during the treaty negotiations and lost his ability to negotiate for what he wanted, which was a, to treat Germany with more realism and humanity. And a result are what we saw World War II. Now, he did come up with this 14 point plan. I'm going to go over the 14 point plan uh, with you kind of scarcely just to go over. And then I'm going to tell you why why the real reason why this plan never went into effect, why it never was practiced. Now he come up with this plan to prevent future wars after World War I. Here we go. 14, 14 point plan by Woodrow Wilson. Let's see here. Number one, open diplomacy without secret treaties. Number two, economic free trade. On the seas. During war and peace. Number three. Equal trade conditions. Number four. Decrease armaments. Among all nations. Number five. Adjust colonial claims. Number six. Evacuation. Of all central powers. From Russia. And allow it to defend. Define its own independence. Number seven. Belgium to be evacuated and restored number 8 return of Alsic Lorraine region and all French territories number 9 readjust Italian borders number 10 Australia Austria Hungary to be provided an opportunity for self-determination number 11 redraw the borders of the Balkan region creating Romania, Siberia, and Montenegro. Number 12, creation of a Turkish state with guaranteed free trade in the Dandelions. Number 13, creation of an independent Polish state. And number 14, creation of the League of Nations. Okay, so you sit there and you hear that and you're like, that's pretty fair. And it is. It is in a sense. It's pretty fair, the the 14 points. Here's the thing, though. You just come out of this war where you you lost a lot of people, a lot of people in England and in Italy. And the reason why it didn't pass is because England and Italy, they wanted something in there. They wanted to punish Germany, who they believe started the First World War. That's why the 14 points. Never, got, never stood a chance. Never stood a chance. A lot of the negatives that came out of Wilson's administration, your Federal Reserve, your taxes, they still have a huge impact today. Despite running on a platform of keeping the U.S. out of World War I, he was secretly hoping and maneuvering us to enter the war, a war that had held very little, if any, benefits to the United States. Wilson's Attorney General Palmer was absolutely maniacal in his efforts to silence anti-war efforts, nighttime raids and imprisonments, and this is of U.S. citizens who were anti-war were common. I'm telling you, man, this guy was like just like a dictator. Wilson was one of the one of if not most vicious racists to ever occupy the Oval Office. He was pro KKK and installed segregations in the federal offices. Right there in Washington. Right there in Washington, the KKK marched down Pennsylvania Avenue at one time. Can you believe that? With a contingent of black citizens met with him to express their concerns, he declared them uppity. Man. Wilson suffered a very serious stroke while in office, which rendered him. A bedridden, a bedridden invalid, nearly unable to speak. This guy was so power mad and power hungry rather than resigning to his vice president due to his inability to perform his duties. He conspired with his wife to hide the extent of his illness and allowed his wife to essentially conduct presidential duties. Bet you guys didn't know that. Do your own research to find that out. But Seriously, I bet you guys didn't know that. I didn't know that until this was sent over to me. I knew he he was uh, paralyzed or whatever at the end, but I didn't know that uh, it was that bad. Now, let's open the brain of Wilson just a little bit and see what he thought of our good old American Constitution and our Bill of Rights and what have you. Wilson felt that the country's constitutional federal republic form of government was obsolete. He was enamored, as were most progressives in the era, with government with a strong presidency. He heartily disproved, disapproved, of congressional government, feeling that the checks and balances of three competing branches of government should be subsided by any by a strong presidency, which would be relative, undermined by courts and Congress. He was, and I'll tell you another thing: he loved, loved the way that England and their parliamentary prime minister set up is. And he really, he wanted that. He thought the president should have more power and be able to override everything. Can you imagine what kind of shape we would be in, especially with some of the yahoos we've had as president, even like right now, if they had ultimate power and didn't have to go through Congress or the House to get approved for stuff? it would be It would be horrible. And our forefathers knew this, And that's why they set it up the way they did. He was very much a my way or the highway type of person. Right here is what I wanted to get out of the League of Nations. Some of you think, well, it'll stop. It sounds like a pretty good plan. Let me tell you something the League of Nations is the UN. It's the same thing. They just retook it up later and changed it after World War II and changed it. It's the United Nations. Same thing. Same thing. Which is. A horrible institution, just for the cabal. What it is, they're the ones that want global power. They want, they want one, one world econo- uh, economy, one world health. I mean, that all comes from the UN. If you don't believe me, just you know, grab a computer, get on your computer, and connect to the internet. Get on there and do a little search there on the UN. You'll see what they're all about, man. I mean, it's horrible. So on the League of Nations, you're like, well, the Senate didn't. Well, here's why. Here's why. Check it out. His proposal of the League of Nations was not confirmed by the Senate because Wilson refused to compromise with the Senate on the U.S.'s roles despite, despite clear indications from the Senate that they were willing to work with him. They were willing to pass this horrible idea of League of Nations and join it. But he would not give an inch in order to gain two or three miles. He wanted to be a tyranny, tyrannous dictator. Let's just be honest. That's what he wanted. And he's pretty close to it. Pretty close. And then one last thing I want to say on this guy who really just, I mean, we could do 20 hours on on Woodrow Wilson, the type of man he was. He, he, just, he was not a very good human. And, I, you know, it just amazes me. Back at that time, a racist like that actually got reelected. And I'm telling you, if you think that the elections have not been corrupt for a very, very long time, even back then, yeah, you really need to wake up. You really do. I'm talking about his re-election. We know what happened, how he got elected the first time. His re-election, well, proof and in pudding, folks. He was, Wilson was, was a man not known for his sense of humor. It was reported the only time he was seen to laugh and smile was upon being informed of the death of Theodore Roosevelt, who had been a vocal critic of him. Wow. That's the only time. That's the only time you're going to be remembered for, is, is, hearing the death of your political opponent, man. That tells you what kind of heart this guy had. So, there's also, there's also, two other gentlemen that tie right into this, and we got through that kind of quickly. So I'm going to go ahead and start on this. This is going to be uh, part of the next episode as well uh, that comes out this week and basically i want to talk about two gentlemen who you would think that were maybe friends they did come together for a common interest however neither one of these guys were very very good people one of them i've already talked about but i want you guys to kind of see how they intertwine it's been going on a very long time folks. Very long time. So, remember, Woodrow Wilson, he was president from 1913 to 1921, right? Let's jump ahead just a little bit, and let's talk about FDR, who we have talked about before, versus Winston Churchill. By 1943, the Allied war effort was at a crossroads. January of that year, Franklin Roosevelt and Winston Churchill would meet face-to-face at Casablanca Conference to map out the alliance's grand strategy for defeating Hitler. And while the 10-day summit in in French Morocco was widely uh, hurled as a sign of unity between Lincoln and Washington, behind the scenes, there was trouble. FDR wanted the Allies to follow up on their growing mastery of the battlefields of north africa with a massive invasion of northern france churchill favored an all-out attack on the third reich's soft underbelly by way of italy and the balkans this disagreement would summarize a uh, simmer for months and at times become surprisingly heated yet amazingly until recently we've really only heard one side of the story uh huh. FDR and Churchill presented a united front at the Casablanca Conference. Behind the scenes, the two had time at a, at time widely uh, differing views on how to bring down the Third Reich. FDR and Churchill presented a. Uh, <laughs> Why is that in there twice? That's crazy. Sorry about that. Uh, sometimes these guys copy and paste on here and. Uh, mess things up. The history of World War II particularly the events of 1943 is fraught with misunderstanding not just contemporary and among the two giant allies but in subsequent historical graphy as well Winston Churchill in his epic six volume memoir The Second World War appeared to clarify much of the records surrounding the course of the conflict. He did so thanks to an army of researchers, the tens of thousands of documents he took with him from Ten Downing Street when he lost the prime uh, ministership of Great Britain in 1945, and his magisterial prose. But in the truth, Churchill's masterwork only muddled, muddied what were already muddied waters. In fact, as early as nineteen forty three, he boasted the once hostilities had ceased. He'd buried his mistake. Conversely, Roosevelt's perspective on war is largely lost to history. He died three weeks before V Day V Day. It's nothing short of amazing that in the 11, seven decades since the war ended, his vision of events has never been subjected of a serious study. Yet it was strategic disagreements between FDR and Churchill that almost led to the Allies losing or rather failing to win the war in Europe. Much ink has been spilled on both sides of the Atlantic as to the merits of Churchill's preferred Mediterranean Balkan strategy and Roosevelt's insistence insistent on mounting D-Day Operation Overload in the spring of 1944. The consequences of this accord could have grave in the extreme American writers have accused Churchill of bamboozling Roosevelt into supporting his Mediterranean soft underbelly strategy. Despite the strong objections of the U S joint chief of staff, British pundits. Meanwhile, have argued that Churchill was right, rightly put off by the high casualties that the premature D-Day would erail and hope to delay the, The cross channel undertaking until it was guaranteed success. Which of these is true? We still debate this and wonder about this decades later. And that is true. This is still highly debated. Which man was right? The answer was largely eluded the historians of World War II because until now we have been able to, we have been unable or unwilling to study Roosevelt's role as Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces of the United States from this point of view. However, thanks to points w- post-war security concerns, many of FDR's papers were kept secret. Meanwhile, the numerous accounts of the war that were written by American generals and their biographers inevitably minimized Roosevelt's role in directing the war. Conversely, Churchill asserted the right to use Selected British government documents, almost irrespective of security concerns, his own account of the war not only helped him win the Nobel Prize for Literature, but came to be seen and quoted by historians as gospel, who, after all, could better know what would, what had been in the mind than Churchill himself. Not even the much censored diaries of the field marshal, Lord Allenbrook, the wartime chief of the Imperial Uh, imperial general staff nor the much edited diaries of his doctor Lord Martin could dent the impact of the prime minister in reality it was Roosevelt who saved the war from being lost by Churchill's complete misunderstanding of Hitler and the right British troops slogged their way up a slope during the Italian campaign despite claims by Churchill that the Mediterranean was the soft underbelly of the Third Reich. German forces in the regions resisted bitterly. British troops slogged their way to the higher ground. uh, Desperate claims by and forced it to resist, therefore losing. Okay, so I didn't know that. So the British almost did lose the war one time. Churchill himself coined the term soft underbelly for the southern regions of Nazi-occupied Europe when meeting Stalin in in Moscow in the summer of 1942. Sadly, the Prime Minister held on to that deluded view, even as the Western Allies founded themselves in 1943, confronting German forces in Sicily and later Italy, who were not only highly professional soldiers, but ruthless, determined to hold on to the territories they had conquered, often to the last man. So, yeah, once again, Churchill, not a very honest politician. Now, I know he wasn't a part of the United States, but he does play a a role, a huge role in in our history. And once again, you're going to see as we go on, we're out of time for this episode, but you're going to see how... (laughs) Him and FDR, even though they disagreed, how much alike they truly are. How much alike they truly were. I guess is the best way to put that. How much alike they truly were. Yeah. Once again, go do some research on FDR and Churchill. You know, don't, uh, don't just uh, take my word for it. But go do some research and kind of see what you find out. And then maybe the next episode, when, when I get into some of this deeper stuff, I don't want to get too far uh, into this on this episode because there's a lot, there's a lot, lot, lot to this. So, it, and I want it to make sense when I start off next episode. So, because it's going to tie everything back to the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. And I think you guys are, you, sh- you should be already seeing how these kind of all, all tie together. Everything ties together right back. There has been about a 1% of the population of the world who really feel, and they have in a sense, they run the entire world. They run the world. And that has been going on far, far too long. Once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I'm your host, The Kentucky Guy, and as always, God bless and God bless America.